Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, we're talking with Joseph Hogue about staying sane when the stock market crashes and why you need to invest with a strategy. Joseph used to be what I'm going to call an investment practitioner, but now he's an investment educator uh, through his blog and his YouTube channel. Joseph, welcome to the show. Jeremy, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, and I believe the name of your YouTube channel is Let's Talk Money. So can I say it? Let's talk money, Joseph. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do that. That's awesome. Well, uh, one of the things that you and I talked about earlier is about staying sane during the market crash, especially within five years of retirement. But before we get into the nuts and bolts, let's learn a bit about you. Uh, what did you do before going full-fledged into the investment education world? Sure. Well, like you said, I was a practitioner, I guess. I, I started uh, started as a, a venture capital analyst for a Canadian venture capital firm, set up their sell-side research division. Uh, then I, you know, I moved into equity analysis and private wealth management and really loved that idea of being able to uh, to make money on your money, right? That that deep strategic planning and, and analysis. Uh, what I didn't love so much was the limitation on clientele, right? Uh, with, with venture capital, with private wealth management, you're really only working with that top 1% of, of high net worth uh, individuals. And, you know, that's just not where I come from. So, so I really wanted to reach out and, and uh, connect with those Main Street investors. So I actually started blogs in 2014, and then the YouTube channel in 2017, really as a way to connect and create that community around what I was doing with equity analysis and private wealth management, but, uh, but for everyone. Yeah, you got it. And that's, that's great because a lot more people need to learn about money than the top 1%. Yeah, there's, there's regular folks too uh, that need sure. to learn about money. And why not learn from you? Because you've got uh, the same uh, charter, same designation as, as I have, the CFA. Tell us, what is a CFA? Uh, well, it's not the cat fanciers association, that's for sure. Uh, you, you used to be you type that in on Google, the CFA on Google, and those are the first uh, the first results you get is the cat fanciers association, or uh, there is a, a few others in there. And, and a lot of people actually mistake it for the certified financial planners or the CFP, which are more your financial advisors. No, the CFA is a much more the, the analyst role, right? So those are the people that are going to be working uh, with uh, some of the Wall Street banks, the research firms, and the and and you're going to see them on CNBC where they're talking about a specific stock or they're talking about the markets. Uh, so it's much more of a analysis and research side than it is really kind of that long-term planning. Now, of course, that's not to say like yourself, there, there's a lot of CFAs that, that do that uh, advisory and the planning. And, and I think it really adds something to the role that they have that experience in, in analysis. Yeah, it's great to dive deep and at the same time, be able to look at the broader picture. I suppose the CFP is more the broader picture. CFA gives the gives you the ability to to dive deep into specific investment topics. Now, you said something that a lot of people might not have fully heard before: sell side, buy side. This is all like Wall Street lingo, and you're so great at breaking down that kind of stuff. So maybe just tell us what is sell side, what is buy side, what does an equity analyst do? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I I tend to kind of forget, uh, you know, forget. Uh, not everybody knows the jargon, right? And they probably doesn't need to know the jargon. The the 
sell side is uh, buy side and sell side are just different types of equity and analysts. So while well, backing up, I guess an equity analyst is a stock analyst, right? A stock and investment analyst that is going to go into the financials of a company, look at uh, look at the growth in that company as well as how it compares to other companies, and really try to put a fair value on that stock and give a recommendation for whether their clients or whether other investors should should invest in that stock or avoid it. Uh, so that's really the equity analysis side of it. Now, sell side is, is going to be an equity analyst that works for a bank, and they're basically they're kind of giving that information out for free, right? A sell side analyst and a sell side department is going to be creating those reports and that research. It's a lot of the people, most of the people you see on something like a CNBC are going to be from a sell side department. And their idea here is to give away that analysis for free, try to interest you in an investment or working with them. Uh, and so you do start start investing on their platform or, or with their bank. Uh, of course, that generates commissions and other things. Uh, the buy side, on the other hand, is somebody that really works internally for the company that's you know privately managing investments and things like that. So, so they're creating that same kind of research, but they're just kind of keeping it to themselves and their clients. Yeah, appreciate that. I talk to people all the time. They are often saying, well, I'm gonna invest in the stock market. I'm gonna do better than the stock market. And they also sometimes talk about the stock market as a gamble. What's interesting is that sometimes when you're investing in the stock market on the gambling analogy, you're not gambling against the house, against the casino. You're gambling against other people in a way. And usually those other people are backed by billions or trillions of dollars They've got more than one CFA. They got hundreds of them. They've got the fanciest computers. They even make sure their computers are closest to the stock market. Like actually getting your computer closer to the stock market gives those people an edge. And yet little Main Street investor thinks that they can go ahead and beat those guys. So if you're, you're thinking that the, the stock market's a bit of a gamble, understand what's out there that maybe you're gambling against. And so appreciate sure. you explaining that and, and and you know there's there's one other person that investors are gambling against and that's themselves i think a, a lot of times a an investor's worst enemy is is themselves and some of the the human behaviors that come into investing uh, and, and how that works yeah you might have listened to my podcast recently where we did a series on the biggest risk to your retirement and the biggest risk to your retirement is you it's yourself it is. and all your decisions that you make or make adversely against the, uh, your own best interests on there and it's because i think a lot of people want to have a sense of control and they feel like they can control their investment decisions and yes they can control their investment decisions but they can't control the stock market so uh, especially when the market's crashing when the market's going down how do people stay sane that's one of your goals is to help people stay sane when the market crashes how sure. should someone, how do they do that? Well, I think uh, first you just need to change your perspective. It amazes me that uh, investors get so excited and exuberant investing in stocks while the market is going up. Uh, everybody's telling you which stocks to buy, right? Even your your Uber driver is telling you which stocks to buy and, uh, and people love it. it stocks are gonna make everyone rich. Well, then when the stocks fall, when prices start falling, they get scared and they take money out, they stop investing or they even take money out of their account. And it should be just the opposite, right? Uh, when stocks are falling, that is your discount. That is your best time to invest. So 
I think if people just changed their perspective and, and really realized that, you know, as stocks are falling, that is a great time to start investing because you're getting those discounts from those prior peaks in stocks. A great time to pick up stocks, even if the stock market does continue to fall and go to lower prices, you're still getting discounts to to where prices once were. Because you know, if you look at any stock chart, the only one, the only one uh, constant on any stock chart is that. You know, stock prices do eventually go higher. You know, you eventually work through that bear market into the next bull market, into that next up upswing in prices, and uh, you eventually make money if you were investing during that that hard bear market times. Yeah, it's just the the nature of the stock market. It's just how risk works. You don't have the chance to make money unless you have the chance to lose money. And so, why are you surprised when the market's losing money? And that actually is that opportunity for you. That's the uh, Warren Buffett quote, I think it is, where the stock market is the only store where everyone runs for the exits when everything goes on sale, right? <laughs> when the market's on sale, you gotta show up at that store. And thankfully there's ways to go about and just be disciplined on it. You've told me about maybe a few strategies. What, what should somebody be doing if they are especially close to retirement? If you're close to retirement, how should you approach investing in the stock market? Sure. Well, I, I think uh, it's important, and really for anyone uh, as well, uh, it's important to keep saving, keep investing, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean you you put all your money into stocks or or an investment as soon as it hits your account. But keep saving because the, the one of the problems I see with so many investors is is yeah they they see stocks falling and that motivation to save and invest goes away, right? Why am I saving if my stocks are just losing money? So they stop saving and all of a sudden their bills, their expenses just happen to go up with that extra money in their savings account or, or in their, their checking account. And so that just makes it, it makes it so much harder to win when stocks do start going up again to start saving because all of a sudden your, your expenses are much higher and it makes savings saving uh, any money or investing that much harder. So that is as one thing I, I would say for those that are closer to retirement, I would say that now is not necessarily the time to to sell out, you know, to go to go extra risk. A lot of times by the time that you've given in to that sense of capitulation and that sense of giving up because stocks are falling, it, a lot of the a lot of the losses are into the market. So you really have to start from from a perspective of okay, how much do I need? How much can I lose if uh, you know if stocks do continue to to go further down? And where are my goals? And how am I gonna gonna reach those goals? One thing I I really like to to suggest for especially very near retirement investors is is what's called the bucket approach, right? The bucket approach to investing, and that's where you put uh, enough in one account or in one part of your portfolio uh, enough to cover between at least 18 months to even two two years of expenses and that's going to be in very much cash like securities you in money market funds i bonds are a great opportunity right now at 9.6 percent uh, those very much um, you know guaranteed safe investments those things so you know you have money to cover your expenses for at least that long into retirement and then yeah. in your next bucket, you, you might add another uh, year or 18 months worth of more like cash flow investments, right? Your bonds, very safe dividend funds or dividend funds and dividend stocks like consumer staples and utilities. Uh, these are going to give you a little bit more growth, but are still going to be very safe. So you're, you're able to refill that, that's uh, that first bucket of, of income needs. Uh, and then in that third bucket, the remaining, whatever you have left after that, you put into those stocks, right? And what this allows you to do, especially now as the, uh, the stock market is falling, 
it allows you to spend out of that first bucket. It allows that two years of, uh, of cash flow to, to cover your expenses without having to sell those stocks, right? Without having to sell those stocks at exactly the wrong moment when stocks are, you know, bottoming or reaching a bottom and, and give them the chance to, to rebuild to, to those, uh, those prior peaks. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with the idea, the bucket approach, even giving some ideas on how to approach it. I liken it to back in 2008, the stock market was dropping. I am confident I saw Warren Buffett on CNBC. They asked him, okay, what should somebody do to invest right now? And he said, if you need the money less than five years from now, put it in the bank. If you need the money more than five years from now, put it in the stock market. I'm confident he said that. I know he said it. I still need to find the clip. So if you have the clip or someone out there can send me that clip, I know that he said it that way. And that's very black and white dogmatic, and that's a good starting point. The thing he got right is that you ought to invest your short-term money in the short term. You ought to invest your long-term money towards the long term. And it's up to you based on how much risk you're willing to take to decide how long is your short-term, how long is your long-term, and I love how you said, start with the short-term first, your cash money first, then your cash flow money left, and then whatever's remaining. People walk in our door all the time, say, here, what should we do with the stock market? I'm retiring. And that's actually your remaining money. You've uh -huh. got to take care of the next month, the next year, the next few years, if that's how long your time frame is, of kind of the, the safety money first before you look at the remainder. It's, it kind of puts it in its proper place. It is for the future, but it is a remainder. It's a, it's a way, to, way to approach it. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're retiring now, uh, who cares about eating, eating lobster five, 10 years from now if you're, if you're eating ramen noodles for the next five years? Yeah, that's right on. Now, uh, what's interesting too, a lot of people come to us and say, what's the stock market doing today? Uh, what's the stock market going to do? Uh, what's the stock market doing? And especially with the word doing in the stock market, I like to remind people, the stock market has no present tense. There's absolutely no doing in the stock market. There's did. I can tell you the stock market did this, but there's absolutely no present tense in the stock market. Uh, there's no doing in the stock market. And you might get that perception because you walk into a bank and you see their interest rates posted right? This is the interest rate. You go online, here's the interest rate. There is no interest rate in the stock market. There is no present tense doing. You don't know what you'll get in the stock market. You can have some sort of expectation. And then they go through and, and understand that. That's great. But then they'll say, well, that's fine, but I'm going to wait until the economy turns around before I invest in the stock market. I've got my opinion on that. I'd love to hear yours. Well, sure. Uh, you know, they, uh, you hear you hear the adage that the stock market is not the economy, right? And it's because the it, it seems to move contradictory and sometimes counterintuitive to the economy, right? Uh, you'll get a a very strong rally uh, at just as the economy is falling. Uh, you'll get a 
you'll get a bear market just as the uh, the economy uh, you know is still doing very well and i think i think the you know the stock market and the economy are still very closely linked but there are those time lags that uh, really make fools of us all right so so what i tell people is to 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 kind of look at the bigger picture right go back to their goals set a mental picture around your goals very important i think so many people they tell themselves i want a million dollars to retire or you know i i need this uh, this amount of money to retire and it's just kind of an arbitrary goal right it doesn't mean anything it's just an arbitrary amount so uh when when savings gets hard when there was you know when a recession brings a, a lower stock prices then they they stop they stop saving they stop investing because that motivation wasn't real for them so if they can go back you know when when the economy does take a tumble and, and take stocks with it if they can go back and really use that mental picture that they've built around their goals so what are you going to be doing when you're retiring on a daily basis even who are the people are that are going to be around you and and uh, where are you going to be living just down to the minutest detail and, and that visualization of those goals can really help you keep that motivation through even the hard times. Yeah, thanks for bringing up that arbitrary thought of, I need a million dollars to retire. I had somebody come and tell me that I'll be able to retire when I hit a million dollars. And we'll talk about the argument about that in a second. But then she got a million dollars. I called her up and said, congratulations, you hit a million dollars. You can retire. That was your goal. She said, well, now I want two million. So <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's, that's one reason why picking a number like that is arbitrary. Another one is think about your job. They don't uh, say, I'm gonna hire you for the next 10 years at this company and here's a million bucks. They say, we're gonna hire you and they're gonna pay you every single you know, two weeks or every single month. You don't need a million dollars, you need monthly income. And figuring out what that monthly income is, is your first step in a great retirement plan. Then the second step is figure out where might you get that income from? It might come from social security. There's people we talk to all the time that still have pensions, might come from real estate, annuities, different things like that. But the first step is not, here's the dollar amount I need to retire. It's how much income do I need? And then the second step is where I'm gonna get that income. And you're a big fan of getting income from dividend stocks, I hear. Tell us more sure. about that. Yes, I love dividend stocks, you know. Uh, and again, it's one of those rules or, or uh, you know, uh, themes or topics, I guess, in investing that doesn't necessarily make sense uh, on the number side, because, uh, okay, especially after over the last 10 years, growth stocks, so not a lot of non-dividend paying stocks have just absolutely uh, creamed the uh, the dividend stocks in the value market, right? But I like dividend stocks just because, you know, it's, it's another one of those motivation plays, right? Uh, seeing that money hit your account every month or every three months uh, is great motivation to keep investing and, and, you know, the idea that you are, you are making a difference and your portfolio is growing. Even if stock prices are, are going nowhere, then you can still see those dividends hitting your account. And that is a positive return. Yeah. It's, it's helpful, especially for income to get the dividend stocks. I like the motivation piece of it. I hadn't thought of that before where when you're investing and you just see a stock price go wildly up and down, you might feel bad about actually investing when the market's down, even though it's a great time to do it. But when you see, oh my goodness, I have a share that turns into an income. And if I have more shares, I get more income. That's a huge motivator. So I, I like that idea, the idea sure. of using dividend stocks as a motivator because you can see exactly how having more of that type of stock gives you more income every month or quarter, sure. whatever it turns into. 
Sure. You know, I, I think every, every investor wants to uh, wants to get rich off Tesla, right? But that idea of those stock gains and the appreciation is just so much more vague, uh, especially like you said, when the stock price is going uh, higher and lower so so violently. Uh, whereas those those dividends, they are consistent. You can you can set your watch on them, and uh, it's a great it's just a great feeling to to open up your account and see that notice. Yeah. Now, what we'll, we'll say with dividend stocks is just like some people get married to Apple stock, Disney stock, Tesla stock, things like that, and they say, oh, this is the one that's going to make me a millionaire. They can do the same thing with the dividends. I, I talk to people, I say, hey, I'm going to go invest all my money in this one stock. It's paying 9% and I'll be set for life. Like, what? Why would you not want one stock, especially if it pays so good? <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, and a lot of things there. You know, uh, I think so many, so many dividend investors reach for those yields and, and just invest in the highest yields. But you gotta, you have to understand, it is a trade-off. Uh, where, where do you think those dividends are coming from? They're coming from the earnings of those companies. So a lot of those very high yield stocks, stocks paying over eight, nine percent, and even ten percent and more on yields, they're not reinvesting in the company. So they are gradually actually destroying uh, shareholder value at that point because the stock price is, is going down over the long term. So I would just uh, I would just caution people and, and recommend that you, know, you try, try to strike a balance there. And usually that balance is for very strong dividend growth dividend stocks, uh, the, a dividend yield in the range of three to, I'd say even all the way up to six or 7% in some stocks. But once you get further up higher than that, then, then you're really sacrificing any kind of returns for that. Uh, the, the second part of your point though, investing any, everything in one stock is, is just madness, right? Uh, because you are, you are pinning everything on, basically it becomes a lottery ticket at that point. I saw a saw research actually did a video on how many stocks you should own just last week and saw research around really the breaks down the market risk and specific company risk in a portfolio and kind of measured you know at what point that uh, that company risk goes away and you're just left with market risk so basically that idea of diversification and uh, and the way they and they measured it to anywhere between 10 to 15 to 20 stocks in your portfolio and you're basically just left with that market risk. Uh, now what that means is obviously, you know, with just one or two stocks, you have got the market risk plus so much of that company risk, that specific company risk. And it's too bad because even bad things can happen to good companies, right? Uh, they're not all Enrons out there. They're not all Worldcoms out there that go bust. It is actually, you know, it is good companies that, uh, that fold up or, or even see their stock price fall to, to near zero. Look at look at where AT and T has been. Look at where GE has been. Look at where IBM has been. You know, I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett, but his his call on IBM in what 2015 had gone went nowhere. He actually eventually sold out. I think in 2018, 2019. But uh, you know, it it has gone nowhere over the past seven years. Strong company, but I, I just would not want all my money in it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And think of what the dividend yield is. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the dividend yield is the last dividend divided by the current price. That's what it is. One reason why the dividend yield might be so high is because the current price is so low because investors, the like smart money, doesn't think the next dividend is gonna be as good as the last dividend. And so you might be fooled by having a high dividend yield because it's looking at the last dividend, not necessarily the next dividend. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, it's taking it's taking the either the prior uh, the prior twelve months dividends or it's taking that last dividend and and uh, you know computing that for for a year long approach to get that annualized yield. And you're you're absolutely right. A lot of those it's just because a company in trouble has not yet cut those dividends, but but it, it is on the way. You got it. Well, I've got one more question for you, Joseph. But before that, tell us uh, what's the best way for people to reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing. Sure. Well, I love for uh, people to, to come join the community, uh, visit the channel on YouTube. That's Let's Talk Money. Love talking stocks, personal finance, all things money, obviously. And uh, and really, that's that's the best way to, to reach me. Uh, I do have a blog called My Stock Market Basics and a, a private Facebook group that's, that's associated with the channel. But uh, it really all goes through the channel. That's great. And we've got links to all that to get to the uh, Let's Talk Money community, the My Stock Market Basics, the, the community on Facebook. Uh, we'll have links to all that in the show notes. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about the work I'm doing with Kyle Financial Partners, check out retirement-revealed.com. Awesome. Well, Joseph, we got one last question. Love to have you. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember that we've got a clean rated podcast. Uh-oh. Keep it PG or, or keep it G, I guess. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I just uh, just moved back to the United States. Actually, had lived with my family for nine years in Medellin, Colombia. So I, I tell people Colombia, and they think, "Oh, Colombia, South Carolina." No, that's Colombia, way south. So just moved back though this last month to Tampa, Florida. Love being back in the states, and uh, you know all the conveniences, all the uh, the Olive Gardens, and the Red Lobsters here. That's awesome. My uh, my aunt's from Columbia, and um, oh. she she loves going back there and visiting family. And I I hear great things about it. So clearly, it's good enough, a uh, great place to to live for nine years. <laughs> well, thanks, Joseph, for coming uh, on the show. Appreciate uh, yeah, absolutely. Your time. Yep, it's a uh, low cost living is great. Yeah, there you go. Well, thanks, Joseph, for coming on the show. This has been great, and definitely we'll get everyone to to check out the Let's Talk to Money community on YouTube. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.